Spencer, worship team, Spencer Eller uh, is here from our Port Clinton campus, worship leader there. Good to have him and the whole team, and uh, it's good to be with you. And you know, it, it's just great to be able to sing song, worship songs like that, to be reminded of what is true, and now we get a chance to look at God's Word to, remi- to remind ourselves of what is true. Today we begin a new series looking at the book of Ruth. Uh, the book of Ruth is the eighth book into the Bible. You have Genesis, and then Exodus, and Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and then Joshua, and then Judges, followed by Ruth. And it'll make sense in a little while why Ruth follows right after Judges. All right? Now, what, we, what we're going to do before we look at some of the pages, some of the verses in Ruth, we're going to get an, a high aerial view of this story. I, I, we're going to watch a video in just a moment that will help us to understand uh, the setting of Ruth, the context of Ruth, the, the, some of the history of Ruth, what Ruth points toward, and the characters of Ruth. Uh, this is put out by the Bible Project. It's really well done. And uh, so before we do some of the groundwork through Ruth, we're going to get this high aerial view. Uh, I think you'll enjoy this. Let's watch the screen together. The book of Ruth is a brilliant work of theological art, and it invites us to reflect on the how God is involved in the day-to-day joys and hardships of our lives. There are three main characters in the book. Naomi, the widow, Ruth, the Moabite, and Boaz, the Israelite farmer. And their story is told in four chapters that are beautifully designed. Let's just dive in and see how this all unfolds. Chapter 1 opens with this line, in the days when the judges ruled. And it reminds us of the very dark and difficult days from the book of Judges. And here we meet an Israelite struggling to survive through a famine. And so in search of food, they moved on to the land of Moab, Israel's ancient enemy. And there, the father of the family dies. And the sons married two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah. And then the sons, they died too. And so they leave only Naomi and these new daughters-in-law. And so Naomi, she has no reason to stay anymore. And so she tells her new daughters-in-law that she's moving back home. And Naomi, she knows that the life of an unmarried Chapter 2 begins with Naomi and Ruth discussing where they're going to find food. And it just so happens to be the beginning of the barley harvest. And so Ruth goes out to look for food, and it just so happens that she ends up picking grain from the field of a man named Boaz, who just so happens to be Naomi's relative. We're told that Boaz is a man of noble character, and he notices Ruth. And so after finding out more about her story, he shows remarkable generosity so that the immigrant Ruth can gather grain in the field. And in doing so, Boaz is actually obeying an explicit command of the Torah to show generosity to the immigrants and the poor. Boaz is so impressed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi that he prays for her that God will reward her for her boldness. So Ruth comes home that day, and Naomi finds out that she met Boaz, and she is thrilled. She says Boaz is their family. This family redeemer thing 
And this was a cultural practice in Israel, where if a man in the family died and he left behind a wife, or children, or land, it was the family redeemer's responsibility to marry that widow, to take up the land, and protect that family. So Naomi, she begins to hope that perhaps there might still be a future for her family. Chapter 3 begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan to get Boaz to notice their situation. So Ruth is going to stop wearing clothes of a grieving widow, and she's going to show signs that she's available to be married. And so Ruth goes to meet Boaz on the farm that night. And as she approaches, Boaz wakes up and he's totally startled. And Ruth makes her intentions very clear. She asks if Boaz will redeem Naomi's family and marry her. Boaz is once again amazed by Ruth's loyalty to Naomi and her family. And he calls Ruth a woman of noble character. It's the same term used to describe the woman of Proverbs 31. So Boaz tells Ruth to wait until the next day, and he will redeem both Ruth and Naomi legally before the town's elders. And so the chapter ends with Ruth returning to Naomi, and they marvel together at all of these reasons for them. In chapter 4, it all comes together. It turns out, at the last minute, Boaz discovers there is a family member who's closer to Naomi than he is, and he's actually eligible before him to redeem the family. But at the last second, this family member finds out that he's going to have to marry Ruth, the Moabite, and so he declines. But Boaz, remember, he knows Ruth's true character, and so he acquires the family property of Naomi, and he marries Ruth. And so just at the beginning, how Ruth was loyal to Naomi's family, so now Boaz is the story concludes with a reversal of all of the tragedies from chapter 1. So the death of the husband and the son is reversed as Ruth is married again and gives birth to a new son, granting joy to Naomi. And this symmetry between the opening and the closing is even more remarkable. So remember, the opening tragedy was followed by a great act of loyalty on the part of Ruth. And that is now matched by Boaz's act of loyalty that leads to the family's final and this symmetry, it highlights the design of the internal chapters as well. So each of the chapters begins with Naomi and Ruth making a plan for their future. And that's followed by a providential meeting between Ruth and Boaz. And each chapter concludes with Naomi and Ruth rejoicing at what's taken place. This story is beautifully designed. And that design actually connects with a really interesting feature of the story. And that's how little God is mentioned. Right, the characters Because God's providence is at work behind every scene of this story, weaving together the circumstances and choices of all these characters. So Naomi, her tragedy leads her to think that God is punishing her. But actually, the whole story is about God's mission to restore her and her family. And he's doing so through Ruth, through her boldness and loyalty, which brings healing to Naomi's life. But not without Boaz, who's a no-nonsense farmer who's full of generosity and loyalty. And so God uses his integrity, combined with Ruth's boldness, to save Naomi and her family. And so this story brilliantly explores the interplay of God's purposes and will with human decisions and will. God weaves together the faithful obedience of his people to bring about his redemptive purposes in the world. And that leads to the real end of the story. The book of Ruth concludes with a genealogy, showing how Boaz and Ruth's son, Obed, was the grandfather of King David. 
from whom came the lineage of the Messiah. And so all of a sudden, these seemingly mundane, ordinary events in this story are woven into God's grand story of redemption for the whole world. And so the book of Ruth invites us to consider how God might be at work in the very ordinary, mundane details of our lives as well. And that's what the book of Ruth is all about. Wow, it took me a while to draw all that. I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to put that video on our social media so you can check it out later on as over the next few weeks we discover what Ruth is about. But you got a good idea right there. Um, I want to give a challenge, and that is, you know, it's only four chapters long. That whole story is tucked into four chapters. At home, read it. Pull out your Bible and read it. And then also another challenge, when you come to church next weekend, bring your Bible with you. Let's have it on your lap so we can study and learn together. Now, if you happen to forget your Bible, in the back we have uh, racks with Bibles on them. Just grab a Bible, take it, use it, return it. If you don't have a Bible at home, then take it with you. Take it home. It's yours to keep, all right? Please do that. That'd be good. Okay, so what we're going to do is take a look at verses 1 through 7. We uh, that's about all with the time we have, but this will, this will position us to understand the rest of the story. And what I'd like to do is simply read to you these first seven verses from this Bible. Uh, I sure wish that uh, there was like an extra, extra large print Bible, but there's not. So I'll, you'll watch me struggle a little bit here. Here we go. This is chapter 1, verse 1. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kilian died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. That's verses 1 through 7. You probably heard in those verses a lot of pain, a lot of hardship, some suffering, some decisions that had to be made. Um... Next week, we're going to be looking at how Naomi navigated all of that pain and loss by looking at how to express our suffering through the gift of lament. Lament is a word we don't use very often. There's actually a book in the Bible called Lamentations. It is a gift from God. But what, is it, what does lament mean, and how do we lament? So we're going to be taking a look at that next week. With the time remaining, what I'd like to do is to go back to those first seven verses and look specifically at verse 1 
And then verses 6 and 7. We just read it a few moments ago, but this is how verse 1 goes. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. Now, right out of the gate, we learn that this was in the days when the judges ruled in Israel. What was that like? Well, the book of Judges comes right before Ruth. This is before the kings. And this was a a terribly dark time in the history of Israel uh, when people were, uh, the, the nation, Israel, was characterized by its disobedience and its unfaithfulness to God. And there was this consistent uh, spiral downward away from God. And the very last verse in the book of Judges, just before we get into Ruth, summarizes that long period of history in Judges with these words. In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did what seemed right in their own eyes. Maybe you've been to a jewelry store and have asked to look at a diamond. And what the jeweler will do is take a very bright light and then put down on the the counter a, a, a jet black background on which he will set the diamond. And that diamond under that bright light will shine brilliantly. Israel represents that jet black background in the days when people did what was right in their own eyes. But that diamond is represented by the story of Ruth. And we're going to see how brilliant it is as we go forward. Representing God's grace and God's provision, God's love and the hope that is found in God alone. The other thing that we notice from what we just read is that there was a famine in the land. Now many people would say that this famine was the result, was the consequence of People doing what was right in their own eyes, their disobedience, their unfaithfulness to God. And so Elimelech and Naomi, they decide to move their family from Bethlehem, from Judah, to the land of Moab because there was food there. Now, Moab, uh, you can go back into into the earlier books of the Old Testament And you can study what Moab was like. It has a very dark and sordid history. The the Moabite people uh, were were known for their their rebellion toward God, their godlessness, their idol worship. It was east of Bethlehem, east of Judah, east of the Dead Sea. And Israelites, as they were raised, they were told, never go to Moab. And certainly don't let your kids grow up and marry Moabites. But there was food there. Now, question. Was it right for Elimelech and Naomi to move their family to Moab? And some would answer, sure, there was food there. But others would say, what was Elimelech thinking? Ironically, Elimelech means, my God is king. But where was his trust in God? In a very real sense, Elimelech was was reflecting the the, the mindset of the day, doing what was right in his own eyes, not worrying about what God said, but doing what was right in his own eyes. And so they moved from Bethlehem, which, by the way, ironically means house of bread, 
There was no food in Bethlehem, no bread in Bethlehem. So they moved their family away from the, the, from the community of believers, away from their heritage, away from the promised land into Moab, the land of idol worship. They moved toward food, but Elimelech and Naomi moved away from God. In this 10-year period that they lived in Moab, at one point Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi a widow. And then Naomi's two sons die, leaving her a childless widow. And these two sons who pass away, Malan and Kilian, leave behind their two wives, Orpah and Ruth. And now it is just Ruth living in this foreign land, far from her homeland, with these two widows, Ruth and Orpah. And this was terrible. In that, in that context, in that age, that, at that time, for three widows, now what? Now, now what would they do? <clears throat> we're, not, we're not sure exactly what was in Naomi's mind. But we do know this. We know, we know where she was from. We know she was from Bethlehem, house of bread. We know she was from Judah. We know she was from the promised land. She, know was, she was from the, 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 the community chosen by God, a people chosen by God, loved by God. That's where she came from. But she left and went to Moab. And life fell apart. Now, all of us have been to Moab. Not Utah, but Moab. Where there's been a a period in our lives, an extended period in our lives, a season in our lives, or, or a longer season in our lives, seasons in our lives where we have turned our back to God. Walked away from God. Decided, I'm going to do what's right in my own eyes, regardless of what God has to say. Well, thank you, God. And then the consequences, perhaps, started to come. And life started to fall apart in some way or another. Or maybe you started to come apart. Or maybe even today, you've been walking away, going the other way. And you're feeling the consequences even now. It's not too uncommon for people to, to, to start to think, maybe, maybe I've gone too far. Maybe I've really done it now. Maybe I've gone, been, been away from God for too long. And even if I want to go back to God, would he even take me back? We've all been to Moab. Last week I was in a circle with my wife and our daughter and a couple of friends and we were having a conversation and somebody asked the question, what's a good quote you've heard lately? That's an interesting question. Maybe you'd have something to share. At the table a couple of people shared some things, but I started thinking about a book that I read recently. And as I was reading the book, I came across a line and I thought, i got to And so I wrote it down on a four-by-six card. I taped it on my desk. If you go into my office, it's sitting right there. And the quote simply says this. 
Grace is always God's last word. These words begin to bloom in verses 6 and 7, which go like this. Then Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living, and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. What that must have been like living in a foreign land, living in Moab, living in idol-worshiping Moab for 10 years. What must have been in in Naomi's mind, will, will, will God even care about me? Will God remember me? Will God forgive me? But it's in these verses that we begin to see the diamond begin to shimmer and shine under the bright light of God's grace. God provides. God provides food in the land of Judah, and it stirs Naomi's heart to go back to that land. In the original text, and in our Bibles, the word return, she decides to return, but the actual meaning of the word return is the idea of repent. (laughs) Do you know that term? It means that you're going one direction, And then you realize you're going the wrong direction and you turn around and go back in the right direction. And she returns to her homeland where there is bread. It reminds me of the story Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son who runs from his home to get away but ends up eating the food of pigs and comes to his senses, Scripture tells us. He comes to his senses and he returns home. And he returns to a father who is standing there with open arms and embraces him. Grace is always God's last word for every one of us. Do you want to know how the rest of this story ends? Stay tuned. Read ahead. Read all four chapters this week. Come back next week. Watch how the story ends. Although you've gotten an idea from the video we just watched. It's a marvelous story. Before we close, I want to introduce you to a word that's not found anywhere in the Bible. It's not found anywhere in the book of Ruth. But it's threaded throughout the Bible. It's threaded throughout the book of Ruth. And the word is simply this, providence. It's where we get the word provide. It's where we get the word provision. It means to supply a need. That's what providence is. One author puts it like this. Providence says that that God is there. God cares. God rules. And God provides. Faith in such a God undergirds every chapter of Ruth. We heard it in the video earlier. God never speaks directly to any of the characters in the book of Ruth. But God is there. God is is there working behind the scenes, providentially providing for the characters of this story. Weaving together, providentially weaving together their joys and their sorrows and their decisions and their hardships and bringing them to the point where they understand they need God. 
bringing them to himself. Let me just get a bit heady with you for a moment. I'm going to show on the screen a portion of the Heidelberg Catechism. 1563 is when it was written. I remember that year very well. 159 questions designed to help somebody understand their faith better. And this is one of the questions in the Heidelberg Catechism. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient when things go against us. Thankful when things go well. And for the future, we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that nothing in creation will separate us from His love. For all creatures are so completely in God's hand that without His will, they can neither move nor be moved. That is God's providence. And when you look at that, what jumps out at you? I mean, for me, we are so completely in God's hand. Isn't that? And that's you, and that's me. The Hebrew Bible is organized differently than your English Bible. In the Hebrew Bible, you have the book of Ruth. And just before the book of Ruth comes the book of Proverbs. And just before the book of Proverbs comes the book of Job. I think it's so interesting that sandwiched between Ruth and Job is Proverbs. And what do we know about the book of Proverbs? It is the book of wisdom. And what is a, what is a mark of true wisdom? What is the mark of Christian wisdom? We have the confidence that God is at work behind the scenes. Oftentimes, we don't understand that God is at work behind the scenes until we are through something looking back. In the story of Job, who went through so much pain and suffering and hardship, for 35 chapters, God is silent. At the very end, Job realizes God was at work all the time behind the scenes, drawing him closer to himself, to God. On the other side of Proverbs, you have the story of Ruth, where God is providentially weaving together the hardship and the pain and the decisions, all of it, to bring the characters closer to himself. And each of us in this room, we are in a chapter of our lives. And we don't know how that chapter is going to end. But I can tell you this, just like with Ruth, just like with Job, just like with Joseph, just like with Abraham, just like with Peter, just like all the characters in the Bible, God is providentially weaving together the pains and the hurts and the losses and the decisions and the joys of your life to bring you closer to, your, to himself. Grace is always God's last word. And our job is to return home. This story ultimately finally points to the brightest, most splendid, most brilliant diamond of all, and it is the person of Jesus who looks at each of us and simply says, grace to you. Come to me. Come to me. I am the bread of life. Come to me. Come home. And if any of you here feel like you've been away too long, you've gone too far, you're not sure how to come back, you talk to me, email me, or any of us on staff. We want to help. Thank you. Let's pray. God, now thank you for your grace and for your love. And 
uh, all expressed through Jesus Christ, the diamond in a jet black background of our lives, who says, come to me. Lord, give us the grace, give us the help to come to Jesus and follow him. Thank you. Thank you for that great love. Thank you for the story of Ruth. Help us to understand it, to absorb it into our lives, that we might be changed and become more like Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, enjoy reading the book of Ruth this week. See you next week.